born to serve. My eyes see injustice, my hands work for change, my tongue sing the sorrow of my heart. The love of Allah combined with hope, let's hold hands as we make a start. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum Welcome back to Spectre Listeners 91.3 FM It is, my name is Muhammad Sheikh Bringing to you Born to Serve Featuring leaders in our community That have made a difference Are making a difference And whose legacy will continue making a difference For many a generation to come Wherever you are tuned in I hope you're well I hope the week has been productive And uh, the odds have been in your favor wherever you are stationed in uh, Voice of the Cape is your companion for this evening and uh, yes I always get excited when we have guests with us live in studio it just brings so much more flavor to the equation and this evening we are profiling Mr. Kashif Wickham Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah Wa rahmatullah How are you doing this evening? Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen Okay so yes indeed um, basically you know I have this profile of you and and uh, um, fully conscious of some of the engagements that you have in the broader community, um, different platforms, etc. Uh, but before we dissect the formalities of, uh, you know, the different roles that you play in society, stretching way back uh, post-apartheid um, in the early phases of the new democracy and up to this particular day, let's get a brief into the man behind the scenes. So let's start off by asking, who is Kashif Wickham? Okay, that, that's a short short question with a very long answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in a small industrial town called Hutenag from the Eastern Cape. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived there and I lived there when I was 17 years old to come to Cape Town to study. Um, but I think probably my activism, mm-hmm. uh, my political awareness was grounded in Hutenag. Okay. Small town with a very vibrant Muslim community. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father, Ibrahim Wickham, was a teacher, an anti-apartheid activist, a community leader at both local, provincial and national level. Mm-hmm. Could you paint us a picture of Utenaik back then? What, what was the spark behind the, the political consciousness back then? Look, Mohammed, as you are probably aware, the Eastern Cape was the bedrock mm-hmm. for the anti-apartheid struggle. Correct. We call it the province of le- legends, Madiba. Uh, come from there, the Tambos come from there, mm-hmm. the Sisulus come from there. Um, you think because it was and is a small town, there wasn't the call of the segregation, okay, which exists in big cities such as Cape Town. Mm-hmm. So the Muslim, non-Muslim community, the African black, the colored community mingled quite freely. Um, because my father was an activist, and from a very young age, from the age of four or five, I used to accompany him meetings because I was the inquisitive type okay um, and also I recall very fondly going with him to rugby matches on a Saturday mm. now in the mid 70s and and they played rugby under the banner of SACAS the okay. African Council on Sport mm-hmm. and under the banner of SARU the African Rugby Union and they in fact played rugby amongst the African blacks and the colored community so I accompanied him to rugby games at Kwasakele, Kwanabushle um, New Brighton, and of course the other areas around the Eastern Cape. So from a very young age, I probably did not see mm-hmm. color, 
mm-hmm. from a very young age i was playing in kwazekele um while rugby while he was officiating at rugby matches and so therefore then i i had i inculcated or i was inculcated the spirit and the condition of non-racialism wonderful now kwaru kwazekele rugby union <coughs> and and those who followed rugby in the 70s mm-hmm. when kwaru played western province mm-hmm. it was a clash of the titans wow and that took place at the Dan Keke stadium and the stadium was festooned in black and gold which is the kwaru colors and of course the colors of of western province blue and white mm-hmm. at the time western province was captained by uh, armahum dr sali Ms., um, sali lepa fredericks okay. and kwaru on the other end was captained by a white compatriot called dan chiki watson mm-hmm. dan watson was a white rugby player from pe who turned away from the springbok college he would have received to go play rugby in a township wow so those are the circumstances mm. under which i grew up um so sport was pretty much a uniting factor in which you tagged along with dad to different uh, you know it, it kind of added the flavor to the political consciousness which uh, you know was existed in yotenega at that time definitely in fact uh, sasa sekos and saru used to have political education classes at wow. tournaments with the learners Mm. Sport was the means to at the time because of the banning of the political parties INC mm. PAC etc sport was the cover right. under which people organized themselves politically wonderful you to make would have thought i mean nowadays you look at it as a you know industrial sector for for cars and motor vehicles yes, and things yes, like that yeah but uh you to make interesting mm. okay so um tell us a little bit about your family i mean your dad was quite politically conscious uh, at a very young age too i would imagine in those um formerly from you to make as well in fact um even my family has got quite a rich tapestry my f- my grandfather my father's father abdul rahman reverted to islam okay in the sunny wickham mm. um so we have a strong christian family mm-hmm. uh, in fact we are a second generation muslim and my father and his six brothers and two sisters um or the first generation muslim so we are a fairly large wickham muslim family within a very large wickham mm. family in fact we have reunions every second year where we get together about 400 of us wonderful yeah. wonderful yeah. at utenaig or is it in uh, outzone originally from outzone oh, yeah. our okay. family our family roots goes back to 1820 when the first we come arrived here mm. by ship um, and landed in p and then ended up in outzone interesting Maybe the local koi woman Ah <laughs> and so the progeny flourished yes. so you know what it mean, what did it mean to you did you thrive more on you know the uh, growing up now on the um, you know the sport arena as being leisure and entertainment or we we you know did you did you sense at that time that you were being slowly groomed into a politically conscious state from that age already i suppose un- unintentionally groomed right um i think my political activism mm-hmm. came to the forefront in 1985 mm-hmm. i was then in senate 7 now grade 9 um i was elected as the src rep- representative for 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 that grade mm-hmm. and and two weeks later uprising started in utnek um, at the time we boycotted it what we thought what then was a what we would what we then called a collaborator of the mm-hmm. apartheid system um we went out we were the police came in we were battened charged i was one of those victims um a week later my father because of his activism was transferred to postmasburg sure. as a teacher he received the transfer letter on a friday at to report at the school mm. on the monday morning wow in the northern cape 
Um, and then my real student activism started. At the time, by the way, the SRC was led by a, uh, Ashraf Muhammad, who also now resides oh, in Cape Town. Yes, yes. Okay. Ashraf, was a, Ashraf was a chairperson. He was in Standard 8. Interesting. He then was, Ashraf doesn't often like to hear this, he then was incarcerated under the then uh, Internal Security Act, mm-hmm. um, which was detention without trial, two weeks without detention. I think Ashraf was jailed for about six months of that year. Sure. Um, so, so that's what, what sparked the fury for. Um, what didn't show? Was it because of the sporting codes as well that uh, you know had a reflection in the school setting, or was it just you know following the seventies and uh, you know the uprisings that happened then? Uh, what channeled the activism you know in Stand Seven for you and Standard Eight for him? Look, I, th- I think at the time, um, if you were politically aware. Um, you probably wouldn't weren't then an activist yet. I, I think it was the entire anti-apartheid struggle. Yes, Yutenaig was the bedrock for Azapo, the Zionist People ah, Organization. Okay. Our teachers at the time were members of the New Unity Movement, mm-hmm. um, and of course, some of them were, were members of the band ANC then. So we were conscientized at school in our history right. classes by our teachers. Mm-hmm. I was conscientized by my father and his brothers. We're also all quite involved in the anti-party struggle. Wonderful. Mm. I'm, I'm still grappling around the fact that, you know, um, maybe we don't give enough credit to that particular segment of the Eastern Cape <laughs> as we ought to. And we remember the Tambos and the Mandelas yeah. from further down in Amtata and, you know, around that particular region. Yeah. But let's head to the marketplace and we'll continue with this awesome journey when we are back. Stay tuned. Born to serve. My eyes see injustice. My hands will for change. My tongue sing this Welcome back, respected listeners. My name is Muhammad Sheikh, and on Born to Serve this evening, we have traveled to Utenhaig, we have traveled to uh, the Eastern Cape, some part, and we are speaking to Mr. Kashif Wickham. Uh, political activism since the 80s and a whole plethora of uh, you know lots of leadership positions in present and i think uh, you know most people most people would be aware and know of some of the positions and role that, roles that he had but our focus here today is basically dissecting what what brings what brings about the leader behind the leader what are some of the challenges gone through and you know some of the things that we really know about a person other than what he's accomplished so that's what we're talking about and yes mr kashi welcome back Shukran. So, Yutenay growing up uh, fueled by you know an early sense of political activism. What were some of your ambitions growing up in Standard Seven and beyond? <laughs> Did you see yourself, you know, progressing to uh, following Nelson Mandela? What what were your ambitions? Look, if if you were in the eighties, if you were an a political activist, mm-hmm. a student activist, then you went to study law. Interesting. Uh, and and I chose to study law because I wanted to join and fight the anti-party struggle mm-hmm. as human rights lawyer um, and then that's why I went to study law in 1989 mm-hmm. my dear mother who keeps our family together like a glue made me almost take the Quran and 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 swear that I will come back after I studied I didn't quite <laughs> fulfill that obligation oh wow <laughs> subhanallah mums mums you know I think they 
the 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 vision for us is so unique and so yeah. um it's so inspiring yeah now you know my, my mother Aisha we come still calls me every week and reminds me about birthdays in the family don't forget it's this one's birthday don't forget that that one's birthday Absolutely. so she really keeps us together wonderful 800 kilometers away would you say would you say she was kind of also a motivation growing up indeed you know my 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 mother always tells me you like your father but when you <laughs> grew up I was the one who was at home while your father was sitting in meetings oh, five nights a week. So my mother, definitely the motivation, definitely the strength behind all of us mm-hmm. and instilled in, instilled in us a strong sense of family and a strong sense of family values and belonging. Wonderful. What was the Muslim community like in Utenhaik back then? And, you know, for me, I think um, up north, there was always, there's always this uh, notion that there weren't many people geared and inclined towards political activism in terms of the scholarly fraternity. And, you know, it would be a few individuals that would be part of political movements. Mm. Did, you, did you also end up having a similar situation in Utenhaik? Yes, although there were couple, there were quite a few shooters or people from the Muslim community who participated in 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 in, in community activities. Right now, the mosque in Utrecht is the oldest mosque in South Africa, and I must debunk the myth. Hmm. Um, it is the oldest mosque, Wakaf Mosque. Okay, in in, in South Africa, it was right. the first Wakaf Mosque in South Africa, Masjid Al Kadama, and that mosque again because because of the the smallness of the town mm-hmm. there wasn't a masjid in kwanabushle right so our brothers uh, our muslim brothers and sisters from kwanabushle came mm. to uh, perform their salah at the masjid in Ut- in Ut- well in the main town of utenek right so so again that that forging and breaking down of 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 apartheid defined um division Mm. was almost not not non-existent mm-hmm. but there was a closeness between the communities wonderful yeah. and i think you know it's one of the advantages in a smaller community that you can latch onto because yeah. uh, you know the, the the consciousness spreads much nicely in a very nice package if in a bigger city there's different thoughts mm. all across the medium so yeah. you know you kind of it's a bit challenging to to come on board with everybody i can even break it down further mm. and i say this one but there wasn't an indian mosque and a malay mosque there right. was a masjid Wonderful. And everybody attended the wonderful. Masjid. I think yeah. that's that's the yeah. best thing to yeah. hear. Yeah. You know, it, it, <laughs> we we are still sitting with the dilemma of Hanafi mosque and Shafi mosque and you know the the, the different compartments that contribute yeah. to Islam. Yeah. But I think masjid is a masjid. It's yes, a place for everybody. Correct. You know, everybody Goodic. should be feel should be felt uh, you know welcome to it. Uh, okay, so and what what are some of the um challenges growing up, you know, in this politically conscious state? What what, what did you encounter besides either being arrested or a tinge of mischief coupling you know some of your activities well wh- tell us a bit about it look i wasn't arrested um, <laughs> okay so yeah. we start uh, maybe, maybe if i was i'd have been a minister by now <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. um no i wasn't arrested but i think you know then i progressed and and when we got to matric standard nine matric i was i became the src president for um for youth like high school mm-hmm. i was a deputy ed boy i was the editor of the school newspaper etc 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 that's interesting yeah. i mean just on that point it's something that was channeled back then nowadays print back or paperback and major of you know uh, the school journal per se it's non-existent you know you know uh, that particular i don't know what they call it in english but it was a called an afro machine in afrikaans it was this thing the cassette machine right that right. you had to roll <laughs> and before photocopies and paper i sound very old and and paper came out on the other side and mm-hmm. we obviously our the newspapers called us insight you'd next secondary insight and obviously it also was a conscient uh, conscientizing right medium mm-hmm. for our students and we had to print that our teachers 
were, were supporting us had to print that after hours wow. on the afro machine um, and we then distributed that just dropped it at okay. the school you know and, and hopefully that nobody didn't stir too much of trouble, too much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful yeah. Yeah. okay yeah. so leadership positions back then and stuff um, so your family would support and, and things like that were there other inspirational people in your life at that time look I think at the time I think my, my father still remains one of my greatest uh, inspirational persons mm-hmm. my mother Aisha for for, for holding us together right then there was a teacher and I think many history teachers at that my father was a history teacher as well many history teachers at the time also were the politically conscious ones right so my history teacher was a guy um, called uh, Mr. Ger Tarantau mm-hmm. who taught us alternative history okay um, the history of the struggle because then I mean even a a photo of Nelson Mandela right would get would get you into trouble wow so he would teach us this alternative history the real history mm-hmm. of, of South Africa and and its people. So they call it alternative history back then as yes. like a, you know, it's not the real thing you need to know, but in adjunct, in, in addition correct, to. Correct, correct, yeah, correct. You know, uh, one of the things that, that you know, that I still struggle with in understanding the people back then, it was, wasn't just an identity crisis. It was a mindset that they tried to force upon people. Yes. And people had to live through that. Yes, yes. Look, and then our local Imam, Imam Ibrahim Abrams, mm-hmm. um, whose son is also in Cape Town, Ayub. Imam Ibrahim was an imam of the community. I don't know how he did it, but every <laughs> every dhikr, every christening, every death, he was there. Imam wasn't cool. Wow. You know, he was really integrated into the community. And and, mm. and again, those are the community servants of our time. They they served the community with complete passion, completely right. unselfish. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I mean, if you're drawing inspiration from your religious leader and from yeah. your community leaders, I think yeah. that's a good enough recipe to be growing up yeah. in, a, in a in a wonderful state. Yeah. And so going to law, what was your choice? Okay, so you said at 17 you moved to um, Western Cape. I came to Cape Town, um, got to UCT, did my BA at UCT. While in Cape Town, I studied both at UCT and UWC, and we'll come to that later. Mm-hmm. I stayed in Surrey Estate, I stayed in Kenwin, I stayed in Pukup. Right. So again, I got integrated into the fabric of, mm. of, of what was then and still is the Muslim, the strong Muslim communities correct. of Cape Town. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Pukup itself is a legendary icon yeah. in its own. You yeah. know, there's, there's chapters of yeah. history on Pukup. Yeah. And uh, okay, so law, it was set in your mind. Um, I, I, did you have anything else that you wanted to do? No, no, no. I, st- I applied for really? law. Really? That was the be all and end all? UCT and UPE, um, that's where I applied. I'm going to do law. I didn't have another alternative. Couldn't think of anything. Sure. Um, I had these grand plans that when I graduate, I'll go back to Utenek, open my law practice, which would have been the first black practice in Utenek. Mm. And then, like most small town lawyers, own half the main road. <laughs> in fact, in this time, become the mayor potentially. But sure, th- that sure. never happened. Do you think that's the prestige that comes with being on that side of the constitution, the perk, so to say? You know, you you kind of have that sense of legality where you'd be like, nah, I think I've got this town under my control. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> now, yeah. I would imagine, sir, I mean, all these claimed dopies in the Eastern Cape, in KZN for that matter, mm. and you look at some of the initial Muslim families, you know, integrating that time, some of them had some idea to either law or accountancy. Yes, they, they, yes, They factored yes. in between. So if it wasn't a constitution, it was the money that was being controlled. I mean, you Correct. know, both hand Correct. in hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wonderful indeed. But on that note, let's head back to the marketplace and we'll resume shortly thereafter. Keep it locked to 91.3 FM. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Born to serve. My eyes see injustice, my hands work for change, my tongue sing the sorrow of my heart. 
Welcome back, respected listeners. My name is Muhammad Sheikh, and we are speaking to Mr. Kashif Wickham, and uh, he's sharing with us his journey uh, pre-apartheid, post-apartheid, what's going on. So, yes, UWC, UCT is where we left off. Um, got into trouble at any time in that particular that particular race? No, look, look, UCT to me is pretty much a blur when it comes to activism. Okay, and I say a blur because at the time, eighty nine, nineteen ninety one. Um, we regarded ourselves as visitors at UCT. Right. Um, we didn't quite integrate into into UCT itself. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of schisms at UCT between African, black, or, or black and white. Um, at the time at UCT, there was a strong Palestinian struggle mm-hmm. that we waged and added the, the South African Union of Jewish Students was strong, okay. very, very strong. Um, so there were those clashes on Kud's Day at UCT and on the very wow, famous influence. Well, I mean. Yeah, no, I mean the look, look, the the the, and we'll speak about the Palestinian cause also later. Zionism was strong mm-hmm. at UCT at the time, right. very very strong. Then went to UWC in 1992, University of the Western Cape, which was regarded as the University of the Left. Mm-hmm. Went into the law faculty there to do my LRB. Now UWC at the time. Mm-hmm. I had Professor Ka- we had Professor Khaled Asman as a lecturer. We had oh. Judge Albi Sex. We had uh, Al Marhum Advocate Dala Omar was in the Community Law Beautiful. Center. Mm. We had the constitutional expert now Pierre de Foss um, there. So the constitution was drafted in the law faculty. The constitution that we currently enjoy mm-hmm. was drafted in the law faculty or assisted with the drafting law faculty as we were studying law. Interesting. Um, and at that point UCT really um, was the bedrock of student activism mm. um, in the Western Cape. I joined an NGO called Street Law which did um, public legal education and human rights education um, throughout the Western Cape and vote education and, and that is where I met quite a few people from throughout the country mm. um, working on uh, under that NGO. I latest coordinated the street law program at UWC. Interesting. Mm. So you know, keeping it within the law framework, building chances of activism. D- did you enjoy any fond memories at campus at that time? I mean, nowadays it's, nowadays it's, I mean, the diversity is so extensive and, you know, the, I think one of the, one of the points that keeps on rocking on my mind is, I mean, you know, as much as we try to, you know, look at privilege per se, but compared to what was yesteryear to today, we are sitting on a bit of privilege where we can express ourselves openly. Yeah, yeah. And back then it wasn't the case. I mean, particularly on campuses and things, you know, it, I would imagine it, has, it would have been a challenge to just drop those, uh, you know, letters off the afro. Yes, 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 yes. Now look, UWC had students from all over the country, mm-hmm. um, from all walks of life. Um, so I had friends who came from the far northern parts of the northern cape mm-hmm. the rural parts of the eastern cape they had they lived in a hostel and they were there in a bursary um, and especially at street law um, we again or i again broke down you know you know it is it is natural for one to to befriend and to spend time with people who look like you eat like you do what you do mm-hmm. dress like you right um, it's human nature and and at UWC one broke that schism or th- th- that barrier. Wonderful. Um, and and you know what I want to say to students, uh, Mohammed, is that 
when you're at university, yes, you must study, mm-hmm. and yes, you must get top marks, but what defines you when you go for a job interview, and what later defines you in your profession, and also defines how you engage with people, mm-hmm. is the societies that you get involved with. Because Correct. there you pick up things as simple as money-taking. Wonderful. You, keep, you pick up the art or the ability um, to speak in public, etc. Mm-hmm. You build long-lasting relationships. Absolutely. And generally students who get involved in student organizations, not necessarily student politics, mm-hmm. are the ones who probably get on top of the game in their professions. Wonderful. Um, the class, very close friends, which I have up until today, um, that studied with me, Ihsan Higgins, who's a regular ah. contributor of Voice of the Cape, Kevin Kivitz, who runs his own practice, uh, Hussein Kaji, who now owns BMW dealerships, um, Isha Muhammad, who's head of the Department of Justice, um, Patrick Lakabani, who runs the Saldana BIDZ, Huda um, Abrams Faker, mm. who was part of this application on, on the um, Muslim Marriages Board. Yes, yes. They did, and so you can go through the Faisal body, and I mean, these are all people that that were students with me in a class and those were all people who participated in in, in student organization student organizations at the time you know I, I actually love this point that you pick up on the fact that i think many people you can't see the 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 fruits of investment in ngo based organizations or societies on campuses yeah. while you're there and i think those minute um those minute type of uh, lessons that you do learn takes you a very long way and i think you're probably a living example of that uh, it does it, it, it builds your character because at the end of the day if you're applying for the job or you you in your place of work or your own business mm-hmm. everybody's done law we've all got 60 70 percent for whatever mm-hmm. now what okay what makes you different what makes you different is that exposure mm-hmm. Um, that you that 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 you had to put time into, mm. because now a, as as a a student you could choose to sit in the cafeteria and play clavier jazz at the time. <laughs> I don't know if students will play clavier jazz. Uh, uh, now it's actually a a a more um, it's more an organised structure. You you'd notice a person of colour, yeah. and, and I say this very stereotypically. I mean you know it's all about the the pipers and you know the the cool and being lit type yeah. of, yeah, of yeah, situation. Yeah. So you can identify you know almost instantly. Okay, Okay, this is the club to be or part yeah. of. Cards, dominoes, still, still floats, yeah. floats the boat. Or you can choose to spend your free time in a in a student structure like I did. So mm. my all my free periods were spent at street law, organizing the next the next public lecture we're going to perform, organizing transport with the student transport um, with 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 the UWC administration, organizing the school that students are coming out, and even through that. We started building relationships into the townships. Cooks, Langa, Nyanga, Kailicha, Hanover Park was a hunting ground. We Wonderful. went there. Mm. We went into prisons. We, we did human rights education in what was then, I think it was Section B at Posma. Now you are 22. You're going sure. into Posma. You are surrounded by gangsters with tattoos all over them. Wow. And you're teaching them human rights education. <laughs> Uh, interesting times. Yeah. Would you would you change your student days for anything? Not at all. I'd relive it every day <laughs> with the same passion. I guess you know once you're entering into the corporate industry and once those study days are over, um, it's not really accessible once again. And I, I long for it. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope our students are listening out there, especially especially students that are part of society structures, whether it's SRC, whether it's. Uh, you know, a society council, society groups, organizations, the MSA, NGOs. organizing there the Juma on a Friday. Get involved. Mm-hmm. Get involved. I think that's my message to students. Build your character, your tapestry of life 
from that age onwards don't mm. wait sitting in your car and on whatsapp takes you only so far yes mm. and i i totally agree with you mm. the challenge that that also feel is a big thing i mean you know with all due respect technology wasn't on the brightest of sides back then yeah. you know with the afrol and still yeah. things yeah, beyond yeah. that would you say that was also deciding factor in terms of what made you get up from the couch and actually be part of you know this political activism uh, would, would you say technology nowadays would be a hindrance i think yes well i think technology is a hindrance to many things mm. it's, a, it's an hindrance to getting to understand the person behind the phone better mm-hmm. it sucks up your time mm. uh, without you realizing that sure. and, and that's at all age groups mm-hmm. um and i think more so amongst amongst the youth amongst the youngsters so yes we didn't have technology uh, to get up and walk to somebody and ask them uh, their opinion on an issue not seeing them on <laughs> whatsapp yes. um you had to physically call people to get them to come to a meeting etc etc et so yes i think technology really is a hindrance to our youth mm-hmm. in developing them right into better people into developing them into more compassionate people mm-hmm. and to developing them into people's people wonderful yeah. i think uh, you know as as much as I, i i try and concur with the point my actions you know live otherwise um <laughs> you know you become so detached and somebody's mentioned something interesting once that you know take your phone away for five minutes and oh, see yes. the agitation my wife elamo said the same about me don't worry <laughs> <laughs> well i guess you'll also follow the group uh, how different is it now compared to when you were part of those structures the society structures do you think there's there's a trend of positive change coming across among um, generally generally look i i think that as a country we with with former president uh, zuma mm. and and all the allegations around him um people were generally pessimistic about south africa sure um i think in 2018 society at large is a lot more optimistic mm. about our country i've always remained a patriot mm-hmm. um in the the darkest hours of the African National Congress. Mm. Um I was still a proud <laughs> ANC member. Wonderful. And still strong proponent of the principles and values of the African National Congress. Um and 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 that defined a lot of what I did mm-hmm. in the last decade or two. Um when I started working in 1996 um and i never been to practice by the way as as especially yeah, as was actually going to come to that like okay, where, where, when did when did we actually divert from you know uh, getting back to uton egg and owning owning half the actual town person you know the right off at the wrong time i call it <laughs> and i use yeah. another lesson mm-hmm. and allah is great in 19 i was supposed to graduate in 1995 mm-hmm. i i failed company law 2 Right. And I had to repeat company law in 1996. Mm-hmm. So I did company law part-time um and then worked full-time in the NGO street law. And then in June of that year, a dear friend of mine, um Abbas Jaimi Yasser Ahmed, they started a consulting practice called Jaimi Ahmed which became Arcus mm-hmm. and then grew to become the biggest black engineering practice in the country. Interesting. And 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 again this is again where where, where your worlds converge, Muhammad. So they wanted me to to start the the um expanded public works program project mm-hmm. which was community based public works programs in the townships of the West Cape and because of my activism background I could mm. very easily make contact with integrate and engage with the community leaders across the West Cape. Mm-hmm. So they offered me this position in June I remember clearly of 1996 in September it was permanent in November it was associate and I said no man hang on I want to study law what does a lawyer <laughs> do in engineering practice right and then this thing of an orcus group of companies was given birth to and yeah and so I then went 
1996, June, I went into business uh, as opposed to opening up a law practice. And then I ended up staying in Cape Town and here we sit. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Let's head to the marketplace. And yes, time is whiling away. We're definitely going to have to do a sequel of uh, uh, of this particular discussion. I'm absolutely loving it. But let's head to the marketplace and resume shortly thereafter. Keep Born to serve. My eyes see injustice. My hands work for change. My tongue sing the sorrow. Welcome back, respected listeners. My name is Muhammad Sheikh. With me is Kashif Wickham, telling us a little bit about his story. I think we're still in the 90s yet. We haven't broached many things. Yes. Literally, we haven't yes. touched or scoured the surface of, uh, you know, um, your, your professional career after uh, this group of companies that you found your niche in. Wasn't the entire ambition, I would imagine, of owning half of Uteneg? But I mean, no, a, no, good no. Start, a, good a good start, a good stepping A good start. Look, then, then, so now we're talking post-1994 mm-hmm. and we're talking 1996. So we've got political freedom right so now it was the issue of economic emancipation Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously at the time black economic empowerment had just been given birth to Mm -hmm. um, and 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 Arcus was formed as a a black owned engineering uh, consulting practice in in Cape Town the Western Cape Um, not wanting to be on the side I then joined the black management forum the BMF okay I joined the BMF in 1998-99 Two years, years later, so I became the deputy chair of BMF Western Cape, mm. um, and that, and then the struggle for economic liberation started. Yes, um, BMF was at the forefront, and still is at the forefront, of transforming corporate South Africa to reflect the demographics of our country. Mm-hmm. So that struggle then started um, as as the BMF, um, and of course you'd know, Mohammed, that in the Western Cape specifically, our African black brothers and sisters feel unloved mm-hmm. and feel like foreigners in Cape Town. Mm-hmm. And at the BMF, which was predominantly made up of, 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 of African black managers mm-hmm. um, as, as the then chair, deputy chair of the province, um, we needed to understand why this is so. We right. needed to almost convince um, our fellow South Africans not to come to Cape Town for mm-hmm. 12 months and then because people look strangely at you when you come into a <laughs> restaurant or we drive a fancy car thing that you stole it. Yes. Um, and then leave. And many black managers, still up until today, mm-hmm. leave Cape Town. Not because they don't like the city, they don't like the mountain, because they feel unwelcome. Right. By the citizens mm-hmm. of Cape Town. Because Cape Townians, with respect and the greatest of love, um, are very... Uh, what's the word? They, they they come together in their own little bubble. Sure. And and if you're not from Cape Town, I think you're from Durban. Uh, originally KZN. Uh, KZN. KZN. Integrated KZN. KZN. Well now. Oh, you have. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Look at the waistline and it's a total, <laughs> yeah, total alhamdulillah. numbers. Alhamdulillah. So, so so even then, even even if you are what, but you're not from Cape Town, you mm. you gotta you gotta chip away very slowly and very intentionally. Yes. To break to break into the the the. the Capetonian fabric. No, no, of course. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not a straightforward, you know, just fit into the groove. Yeah, it has yeah. to be adapted. You've got to get used to the lingo, sure. the culture, the, the, yeah. the, the different variety yeah. that exists. No, yeah. I agree with yeah. you. Yeah. Mm. So breaking that, you know, breaking those click slash bubbly, you know, type of groupings that existed. And that's what, what where your focus lies with the BMF. Yes, definitely. And I suppose given, given my, to go back to my small town upbringing, mm-hmm. um, that helped a lot. 
Right. So I, I also know, and Cape Townians need to know, and that mostly the Muslim community is about two point four percent of the South African population. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in Cape Town, you wouldn't say that. Of course not. Because I mean, I mean, if you just look at the halal demographics, yeah. If you don't find halal somewhere, that's a problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, no. So, 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 I, I sort of understood my place as a Muslim mm-hmm. in the broader South African context, right? Um, and and therefore, then I still do and intend and intend that intentionally then would. If I see an African black brother, sister, I'll go sit next to them and mm. understand where you're from, where you're, you're clearly not from Cape Town, to break down those barriers. Because we must understand that, that people's perception of us as, as Africans, of us as Muslims, is based on our actions and interactions, Correct. or lack of interaction, mm-hmm. with people uh, from outside of our community. Right. Interesting. Mm. So BMF, you know, sharing that experience and, you know, coming through changing the economic face of South Africa and mm. readdressing mm. those demographics mm. that were subdued, you know, back in apartheid mm. and beyond. And I think it's come a long way in terms of transformation. It has indeed. Um, it has indeed. And, you know, one can applaud it for that. I mean, no. amidst all the criticism yeah. and, you know, one would assume flaws as well or project yeah. flaws per se. Yeah. So BMF, one, one particular aspect, um, but I mean, given your, your trend of leadership growing up and, you know, formulating yourself in there, um, w- was it still an easy feat? You know, trying to address the economic aspect. One was the dignity, which up to today we still struggle with. Mm. Economic is a whole different aspect altogether. Sure. Yeah. Redress. Yeah. How, how did you find it? Was it challenging? Look, it was and is. I mean, um, you know, it's like uh, capitalists without capital. They, they, <laughs> we, we called ourselves then. Right. Um, but I think what what drove us in the beam, if then, was that we were like-minded, passionate people who came together, and again. In the beam, if it proves my point I made earlier about student leaders and student activists, the 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 young managers, mm. in fact, there were some of them they just started work. The young managers who joined the BMF mm. and spent their time in the BMF organizing black managers, today run huge corporates Wonderful. in South Africa. And again, there then mm-hmm. was this network um, that one develops. Ah. I met my wife, uh, Ilam, <laughs> at the BMF function. Okay. Um, so the BMF also uh, gave or was a reason for mm. my, my marriage and the children which we have as a family. So, so I mean... Alhamdulillah, yeah, you alhamdulillah. expanded your, your sight beyond the immediate vision that you had yes, as well. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> no, wonderful. I mean, treasurable memories yeah. from then. Um, there is still a lot to talk about, you know, post uh, the BMF and, you know, being part of the PPF per se, you know, um, part of IPSA, the uh, Black Business Council. So there's a lot of lot of things that, uh, but perhaps we get into that. We'll tap into that in a different program. W- what I want to, you know, quickly latch on um, as we have as we head down away from the program. Um, given all of these things, you know, um, one of the things that activists struggle with, you know, is maintaining that motivation or that status quo. Um, in a world where politics determine a lot of things, firstly, mm. and at the same time, politics can be a pushing factor away from what you want to achieve for community. Mm. How do you how do you advise an activist to be on the top of things, be geared, be motivated all the time? So you know, in recent times, um, and I thought about this. I lost, and this community has lost a remarkable leader. Mm-hmm. Um, in Maulana Ihsan in oh, wow. a couple Amazing. of weeks, four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Now Maulana Ihsan married Ilam and I in 2003. Mm-hmm. In 2003, our nikah 
was in a hall where men and women were separate. So right. it was really groundbreaking at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Mawlana Ihsan then, and, and this is where the dean comes in, Mawlana Ihsan then brought me into the Muslim Judicial Council. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm currently serving as an advisor to the to the executive of the Muslim Judicial Council. And Mawlana Ihsan then had the vision to understand that as shuhuq, as spiritual leaders, there are many things which they know, mm-hmm. but there are also few things for which they can take guidance from. Absolutely. Um, and, and I became, together with others, became one of those voices. Right. Mawlana Ihsan pulled together what I always thought, um, what he called the fiqh of citizenship. Mm-hmm. And he said that South African Muslims are in fact living in an Islamic state. Mm-hmm. We have a just ruler. We are able to practice our deen freely, mm-hmm. unencumbered. Mm-hmm. Um, our rights as citizens are protected. And therefore, if that is the case, mm-hmm. it is important for us as Muslims mm-hmm. to participate in the body politic of our country. In Absolutely. fact, he said it is a duty. Mm. He in fact said that the freedoms that we enjoy as South African Muslims and South African citizens mm-hmm. are unsurpassed globally. Absolutely. He used to say that one mustn't import um, Islamic concepts into South Africa. Mm-hmm. People must come learn from us I agree. how to engage and interact mm-hmm. amongst each other and with non-Muslims. In fact, he said that, that the Middle East must come learn from us Surely. On, our, on, on, on how to practice Islam freely mm-hmm. so 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 the fiqh of citizenship and that thinking drives me today you know Mohammed, uh, we 2.4% of the population mm-hmm. it's very easy for the country to forget of our existence correct it's very easily f- and, uh, and as we're speaking now the, the state and government mm-hmm. it's very easy for the government to forget that it is Eid yes. that it is Ramadan yes a Muslim marriage is bill mm. for 2% of the population. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. If you do the numbers, you know, you guys could sort out your own thing and we'll, we'll worry about you later. You right. Mm-hmm. But, but in order to remain relevant, mm-hmm. it is key that people from the Muslim community, and I, and I by the way, mm-hmm. uh, I am a Muslim in faith. Right. I'm not a Muslim in race. Yes. I am a South African. Mm-hmm. I am an African. Yeah. And I am a Muslim in faith, and and that's how I define myself. Correct. So, so uh, and Islam should say Islam is not an ethnicity. Absolutely, it is a belief system. Yes. So, in order for us to remain relevant politically and economically, it is important, and it becomes a duty on us mm-hmm. as Muslims to to work beyond the confines of our home, mm-hmm. to work beyond the confines of our masjid, to work beyond the confines of our careers, mm-hmm. because we need to contribute to give back to our country, our people, and we need to give back beyond the mm-hmm. confines of our community. And that is why um, I became involved um, now in formal, well, when I say formal, I'm not a politician, I've got no political ambitions, but that is why I became involved in formal politics. Mm-hmm. Now, for example, if you take the iftar that, that President Ramaphosa um, had with the Muslim community yes. now um, for this Ramadan, mm-hmm. I mean, I was very key to that. Right. Um, together with others, um, uh, Ibrahim Rasul, Faiz Jacobs, we were very key to convincing the president that his first iftar with the Muslim community should be in Cape Town, and it should be in Rylands Estate, and it should be on the 15th of Ramadan. Mm. Now, if somebody mm-hmm. 
in the ruling party wasn't there yep. to convince President Ramaphosa the importance of Ramadan, yep. the importance of breaking fast and having a dalchi yes. and a date with us. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, President Ramaphosa at that night followed us making Maghrib Salah. Mm. Now, nowhere, and I say this not having researched it, nowhere in the free world mm-hmm. did you have a, pres- a non-Muslim president of a country mm-hmm. perform or follow the Muslim community in Salah. I think from as far as my knowledge, you're 100% correct. Without doubt. Yes. But you see, that, that caption, and that's what I want to leave with our listeners. You know, for us to remain free and, you know, unhindered in our religion of Islam, we have to be politically active. We have Without to be active. Doubt. Yeah. We have to be active. And to young uh, Muslim brothers and sisters, it is your duty. Mm to become active in organizations, be it this, even at school governing board level. Yes. Who's going to guarantee that those boys and girls can go to Juma on Friday? Correct. Who's going to guarantee that there is a prayer room, which can be an interfaith prayer room, at, at Rastenburg girls, at Randabash boys? Mm. If, if you are not on the school governing body, who's going to remind somebody? Wonderful. We need to be there to represent our interest, which is a consequence mm-hmm. of participating. In those structures. Absolutely. Mr. Kashif Wickham, we have to leave it for there this evening. Shukran so much to you. It's been an absolute, absolute pleasure. I've learned a lot from what you've said to us today. And I think uh, many of us can take inspiration from what you've done together with the rest of your comrades, your cadres from back then. Um, we wish you all the best, inshallah. And we hope that, uh, you know, there are many more dalchis and breaking of fast with everyone. We don't identify with ethnicity. We don't identify. We identify as South Africans. Yes, our belief systems are different, but that's how we embrace diversity. Indeed. But on that note, inshallah, shukran once again so much to you for taking the time out, being part of our program. I really, really appreciate it. And I hope it inspires many. Mr. Kashif, we come, yes indeed, uh, speaking to us this evening and we're definitely going to have him back again, inshallah. We haven't touched, we haven't grazed past, uh, you know, some of his other portfolios, but inshallah in, a, in another uh, program. But that's where we have to leave it from myself, Muhammad Sheikh, and all of you out there. Shukran so much for tuning in. Until the next time, I hand you in the safety and protection of Almighty Allah Azza wa Jal. Keep well, keep safe. Fi amanillah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.